At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is our number two of the Greg Peterson Experience. Our, our number one, well, we got you guys a little bit of live action between UCLA and Villanova as UCLA winds up being able to get the win in overtime by a count of 86 to 77. So, that means that all of Friday's games are all done. So now here in this hour, we're going to be taking a little bit of a look forward to Saturday's card when it comes to college basketball. Also going to be talking about a little bit of this and that as well. We're going to be talking about some player awards, driving into the prop market towards back half of this hour when it comes to things outside the hardwood. So we're going to have a whole lot for you guys as we've got a jam-packed slate of things on Saturday because when we wind up hitting midnight Pacific, that means that all the continental 48 states officially have a Saturday. Going to get you guys a look at everything that we're going to be seeing on a college football Saturday as well. And let me tell you right now, you've got the NBA, you've got the NHL, you've got college basketball, you've got the NFL, you've got college football. It's just absolutely wild that we've got all these sports going on at the same time. It is so terrific. And we're going to try to find you some money on quite a few of these games as you've got quite a few ranked teams that are going to be in action. You've got a couple ranked teams that, well, they're going to be in games that are going to be listed on what we always like to call the extra games. Things like UConn versus Coppin State, which a lot of those places in books in the continental 48 states, you're not going to be able to find a lot on them until the morning. So it's a little bit unfortunate, but with that said, we still have a lot of good action that we're able to take a look at. And here's a game that I've been looking to identify myself. We've seen a little bit of line move here. I think it's a correct line move, and I think that it's still very good at this number. You've got 619, 620 on the rotation. I always try to give this out because if you live in Las Vegas, the way that you actually bet on these games, when it comes to college basketball, you wind up giving out a rotation number. So if you want to bet on South Alabama in this game, you just say 619 on the spread. If you want to bet Wichita State, 620 on the spread. So it makes it nice and easy that way, but this is Wichita State playing us at South Alabama. South Alabama opened up a 14.5-point underdog. Most places have shifted this downward to 13.5. If you're in Las Vegas, you're still 14.5 at the South Point. Go run and grab it because it's not going to be available for too much longer. Your total on this game is 137. I totally get it that Wichita State should be a favorite in this game. You've got Tyson Etienne, someone who last year in conference play averaged darn near 20 points per game. You wind up seeing that shot from the logo that you wind up hitting against Jacksonville State. That's part of the reason why I'm looking to take South Alabama, though. Tyson Etienne wound up having to hit a shot from the logo with seconds remaining in order to beat Jacksonville State on their home court. They came nowhere near covering that game. And if you take a look at the spread from that game over to this one, Jacksonville State was right around a single-digit underdog. So what you're saying is also South Alabama is at minimum three points worse than Jacksonville State. Yeah, okay. 
No, that is just not the case. South Alabama, in my opinion, is going to be a top four team out there in the Sun Belt. They've done a good job of being able to revamp their roster. Now, they are dealing with quite a few transfers, but you take a look at what you're going to be able to get out of the South Alabama squad. You need to get a, you need to get a little bit of a replacement here for Michael Flowers because Flowers is now with Washington State. He was able to put up right around 20 points per game, but you just take a look up and down the board for this team. J.J. Chandler, he winds up coming in from Texas A&M. He dropped 21 points in the season opener for this team. The main returning guy is Keo Gonsalves. Gonsalves last year shot darn near 40% from three-point range. He's able to give you eight points, six rebounds. He'll give you a block per game. If you need him to, he'll sell hot dogs at the hot dog stand. This guy does a little bit of everything, but I also take a look at a Manning. No, not Peyton. No, not Eli. Charles Manning Jr., he's... Someone that comes over from LSU, he's able to give you a couple of rebounds. Not necessarily the world's greatest three-point shooter in the world, but he does a lot when it comes to being able to be up. And then Lance Thomas is coming over from Memphis as well. When you take a look at Wichita State, it's a bunch of, I think, should be able to win the game outright. But, I mean, 13 and a half to 14 points, it is a little bit disrespectful because this is a team that they've been dealing with a little bit of an ailment to Maurice Oduzzi. So you want to be checking in on his status. They are a team that they wound up losing their top rebounder from last year in Trey Wade as well. This is a bunch that I don't think that they're going to have necessarily the world's greatest time on the glass. Ricky Council, the fourth, is someone that did wind up shooting 44 and a half percent from three-point range. And we've got to go into the lab of Dexter. Dexter Dennis, he's someone that wanted giving you 10 points per game last season, but he's a little bit of a hit or miss three-point shooter as well. I think that there's good value here, taking the points with South Alabama. This is a total of which I do certainly think that it's certainly much closer to the side. I think that this is a total that is a little bit more in line with what I'd be making it personally. I set it at a 135.5, so if you're seeing a 137, I would be advising it under there because I do think that this is a game in which it's going to be somewhere right around the 8-9 to nine point range. I want to say Wichita State personally is a 7-point favorite, so seeing 13.5, just a couple too many in this spot. When it comes to college basketball, that is always a big thing that I'd like to be able to take a look at. There are so many of these mid-major games that do offer a lot of value, but how about if we wind up going with a game involving a power conference team? That'd be Georgia, and Georgia is finding themselves a hefty underdog as they wind up in the road to face off against Cincinnati. To use the words of the great Bill Belichick, we are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to being a 9.5 to a 10-point favorite, and your total on this game, we're seeing it pretty much across the board at a 138.5. Bill Belichick once said that he was on to Cincinnati. I'm not on to betting Cincinnati. When it comes to Georgia, it's a team of which they have got a coach that's a little bit of a buffoon. I'm going to just call it like it is. Tom Green is still riding the coattails of Dwayne Wade. With that said, when you take a look at Georgia, they just should not be a 10-point underdog in this spot with Cincinnati. Wes Miller is a guy that I do really think is a great coach. He's done a good job of being able to get these guys on the same page. They do have quite a few guys that are a little bit more efficient than last year as well. You may recall that Cincinnati, when it came to offensive efficiency, which is just the amount of points that you score on a per-possession basis, they were one of the lesser teams out there in college basketball. You now have Jeremiah Davenport, who I think is going to be able to do some nice things. He had 11 points, 8 rebounds in the season opener. And David DeJulius, just over the last three years in general, when it comes to qualifying players with regards to assist or turnover ratio, he's been one of the better players in all of college basketball. I still remember when he was playing for Michigan out there in the Big Ten during the 2019-20 season with regards to in-conference assist or turnover ratio. He was in the top five in all of college basketball, so he's able to do a nice job there. But what I do have questions with is just the consistency of the three-point shooting that you're going to be having with this team. They've got quite a bit of size. Someone like Hayden Koval, who throughout his career 
at Central Arkansas along with UNC Greensboro has been right around a two blocks per game guy. I think that he's going to be able to do a nice job there. But when you also take a look at Georgia, what goes under the radar is the fact that they want to bring in Aaron Cook. Aaron Cook was actually a part of that Gonzaga team that wound up making the national title game last season. He looked very good in the season opener, 10 points, 8 assists in that game against Florida International. Now, this is a bunch that they're not necessarily going to be great on the glass. You've got a guy in Braylon Bridges who wound up having 8 rebounds in that season opener. He comes in from the University of Illinois, Chicago. But when it comes to Georgia, I just think that they've got too much talent to wind up losing this game by double figures. I do recognize that it is on the road, and I do recognize that it means I have to bet on Tom Crean, but I wound up setting this line with Cincinnati playing 7.5 points, so I'm going to be certainly taking a look there. And when it comes to this total, I do think that you're going to see some interesting tempos here because with Wes Miller, his teams at UNC Greensboro always played a little bit more slow. You wound up seeing Cincinnati play a low-scoring game in the first game of the season against Evansville, but Evansville, they were in the bottom five when it came to possessions per game in all of college basketball last year. I felt like that was a little bit of an outlier, and this is a Georgia team that they don't necessarily do a great job on defense. So, set this all at 143. We're going to be taking a look at the over. Another game that I think, well, it doesn't necessarily have the correct line. We go to 629, 630 on the banging board. The Colorado Buffaloes. Let's go, Buffalo. We're not going to be betting them, and instead we're going to be fading them as they're going to be taking on the New Mexico Lobos. When it comes to New Mexico, you're finding them as a massive double-digit underdog right now with New Mexico. Currently, I'm seeing them, this is a wide range, anywhere between a 14 and a half, still seeing at the south point of 17. If you're able to grab that, good on you because it is not going to be around any longer. We wound up seeing this open up at 17, and we have seen quite a line move here on Colorado. They're down about two to two and a half points. I still advise to play on New Mexico. This is one that I wound up taking right away when I wound up seeing north of two touchdowns at a field goal because with New Mexico, they actually looked pretty good in their game against Florida Atlantic. You had Jamal Mashburn Jr. wind up going with his coach Richard Patino from Minnesota over to New Mexico. And Colorado just doesn't impress me. They do wind up bringing back a few guys from last year. You've got a guy in Bartholomew who wound up having 19 points in the season opener, but Colorado doesn't necessarily have great size. McKinley Wright the fourth, I felt like was one of the most important pieces to any team in all of college basketball last year. A guy that was able to give you 15 plus points, five rebounds, five assists. I mean, the guy just did everything. Colorado trying to replace him. That is not an easy task. And this is a team that they wanted to go into overtime on their home floor with Montana State. That is not necessarily a redeeming quality when it comes to this team. New Mexico is a team that they're going to be able to be able to withstand this home court advantage, in my opinion, because they play in a unique home court of their own. They play in Albuquerque in the pits, so I think that that actually gives them a little bit more promise in this spot. When it comes to New Mexico, you've got a couple guys that they just haven't necessarily panned out in their prior locations, but I loved what I saw out of Jalen House in the first game of the season for the team. He pumped in their 30 points and six assists against Florida Atlantic. You may recall he was a former top 75 recruit that wound up going to Arizona State now. Well, you're able to get out of Jeremiah Francis. That is a big, giant question as he didn't even wind up lacing them up in the team season opener. Just a little bit of an enigma in general. But I think that Jethro Miscatterin, who was a little bit questionable for the season opener, he wanted coming out, looked very good, 18 points. He's a guy that at six foot ten is able to provide size. He's able to provide versatility. And you don't necessarily have a lot of versatility when it comes to Colorado. So that is a spot in which I am certainly going to be all over the points 
in this spot when it comes to New Mexico. And when it comes to this total, it's a total that I want up setting more around a 144 and a half personally. So we haven't necessarily seen as big a move on this total. But when it comes to this total, I would be taking a look at that over as well. We've also got a game that I'm going to be getting you guys caught up on on the other side. Mississippi State versus Montana. I see a nice edge here with an SEC team going up against a team that has made the NCAA tournament quite a bit in recent years, but they're on tough times. So we're going to be running through that and much more of the college basketball card for Saturday on the other side right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. On VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It is college basketball season, ladies and gentlemen. Now is the time to get your copy of our annual betting guide for only $10. This year's guide has everything you need to bet on all the games this season long. I give you guys a note on all 358 D1 teams. You get odds, you get trends, you get power rankings and you get analysis on every single one of these teams, all the way from Mississippi Valley State all the way on up to Gonzaga. Our team of experts, I don't know why they put experts at Greg Hoops Peterson in the same sentence, but they did. Matt Humans and Tim Murray provide their predictions with win totals, futures, conference champions, tournament teams, and player awards. Sign up today and get your copy for only $9.99. That is at bsin.com slash subscribe as you're back here in lovely Las Vegas. It is the Greg Peterson experience, and you know what we're talking? College basketball. We left off talking about this game. Mississippi State versus Montana. Montana's finding themselves across the board right around at 11-point underdog. Your total on this game, we're seeing it anywhere between a 136 and a 137, and I think you've got a good edge here with Mississippi State. I want to make them a two-touchdown favorite personally. When it comes to Mississippi State, I think it really went under the radar what this team did in the transfer portal because their big acquisition in a lot of people's opinion was Rocket Watts, a guy that did not wind up playing in the team season opener. A lot of people are like, oh, Rocket Watts this, Rocket Watts that. Well, you know what? You really don't need Rocket Watts because already at Mississippi State, they've got a guard by the name of Iverson Molinar, who shot over 40% from three-point range last year, was able to give the team a double-digit amount of points per game. Tolu Smith is going to be out for the foreseeable future for Mississippi State. But when it comes to this bunch, I like what you're able to get out of Garrison Brooks down low. And then with Montana, there's a bunch of they've fallen on a little bit of hard times. You did wind up having Cameron Parker come into the program last season. You may recall, he was a gentleman at Sacred Heart that two seasons ago had 24 assists in a game. That is a D1 record, but when it comes to him being aggressive, I just don't understand why this guy doesn't shoot more. He shot 46% from three. He's a point guard, so he has a ball in his hands a lot. and 8.4 points per game. I mean, my goodness, Cameron Parker, feel free to shoot the ball a little bit more. He doesn't necessarily turn it over a lot either, so... And it's a little bit befuddling. That's why he doesn't take more hold of the offense. And it's a little bit just downright frustrating in general. And then when it comes to this Mississippi State team, I do think that you're going to be able to get quite a bit out of Cameron Matthews. Someone who was really an afterthought last season. He only wound up having right around like three points per game. But in that season opener against North Alabama, he saw good minutes. He had seven points, 14 rebounds, four assists, two blocks, and two steals. 
I mean, that is called filling it up right there. I think uh, you're going to be filling up your bankroll. If you wind up taking Mississippi State, I wind up setting them as a 14-point favorite. And when it comes to this total, I'm a little bit intrigued by this. I set it out of 134 with Ben Allen coach teams. Typically, they do a very good job on defense and... I think that Montana is going to be a little bit more of a pedestrian team that they themselves are just going to be looking to go a little bit more low and slow themselves. So I'm looking at an under, and I'm going to be taking a look at Missis- a look at Mississippi State. We have to hit this game because if I don't right now, I might wind up forgetting about it by just going into a diatrove of mid-major college basketball because I know that a lot of people want to be betting on this game. You've got Gonzaga and Texas. If you're looking at rotation number 663, 664, Texas finding themselves an underdog. You actually wound up seeing this come out in a lot of jurisdictions out there on the East Coast with an opener of Texas being right around an 8.5 point favorite. That has come down a little bit. From everything I'm seeing right now, we've got mostly 7.5s out there with Gonzaga laying the points, and your total on this game is 151. This really has not moved at all, but I take a look at it, and I think that you've got good value here with Texas. I want to make Gonzaga a 5.5 point favorite. I do think that Gonzaga is the best team in all of college basketball. And Gonzaga, as a favorite, they've been able to do a good job. Also keep in mind with Gonzaga, this bunch has been one of the best to the over in all of college basketball. They played right around two-thirds of their games the past two two-plus seasons, I guess you can call it, ever since the beginning of the 2019-20 season over the total. So that has been something that has been very good to them. And I do think that there's good value here on the total because I want up sending it at a 159. I think that it's going to be a relatively close game, which means that you get late game fouling with Chris Beard-led teams. You'll always notice that their defense is a little bit, I shall say, in transition a bit more towards the beginning of the season versus in the back half of the season. So I think that that's something that you want to take a look at and when it came to the Texas Tech team that Chris Beard wound up coaching last year, they were actually one of the worst in all of college basketball. When it came to three-point shooting defense on the road, I thought that that was very intriguing as well. Gonzaga, you just got a whole bunch of guys that are able to fill it up. I mean, Chet Holmgren, in that season opener, he wound up having something like 14 rebounds, a double-digit amount of points. He had five blocks. He had five assists. I mean, he... I mean, we talk about having two of everything. He had five of everything. I mean, it was absolutely insane what he was able to do for this team. And then you take a look at Gonzaga and that backcourt. You've got guys like Salas and company. They're coming in there. Andrew Nemart is someone that legitimately in the SEC for two years was averaging right around five assists per game. But now you have to go up against the Texas team that you've got Andrew Jones coming back. You've got Courtney Ramey that's coming back. They're going to be without Dylan Disu, but who cares? Because you've got Christian Bishop who's out there. He's able to give you 10.6 rebounds. You've just got this whole big giant load of guys, and it's insane. Trey Mitchell, six foot nine. He shot 38% from three-point range. There's just not a chance that I'm willing to lay this many points with Gonzaga because Texas, in my opinion, they're a top five team in all of college basketball. I know that there are varying opinions on them. I personally pretty much had in my top four, two big 12 teams. I wound up having Texas just a very, very small step behind Kansas, but I really feel like after number one in all of college basketball with Gonzaga, and they are legitimately the number one team, you can really split errors between teams like Texas, Villanova, UCLA, list goes on and on. I mean, heck, you wound up seeing UCLA win tonight, but they had to go to overtime on their home floor, so that shows you just how good Villanova is, in my opinion. But you do take a look at this game. I think that this is just a couple too many points, and 151 just seems like a really low total. Every time Gonzaga seemingly gets one of these low totals, they always seem to pump in their, like, 90 points. So this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the points with Texas. I know that so many of you guys always ask for my New York Post play of the day. 
Fortunately, there are a couple books that do have this up. You're going to be finding that with these extra games. And these are typically the games, when I say extra games, that you're going to be finding a six-digit rotation number on it because they are games that involve typically teams from smaller conferences. This is the Atlantic Sun, the America East, the MEAC, the SWAC, the Patriot League, the list goes on and on. For me, the fun schools. But with that said, you've got a school in Vermont that's going to be going on the road against Maryland. You do not want to be sleeping on Vermont cheddar cheese for one, and you don't want to be sleeping on Vermont basketball for two. They're catching 11 points. Total on this game is 135. This is one that I'm going to be writing up for the New York Post. Going to give you guys a little bit of East Coast flavor, and I'm going to be taking a look at the under with Vermont and Maryland each out of the last five years. Both of these teams have ranked in the bottom 85 with regards to possessions per game. These teams play super slow. You wound up seeing Vermont last year with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. They were in the top 25 in all of college basketball. You do want to note that Ryan Davis, he was number three in the country in terms of points scored on a per-minute basis of any player in college basketball. He was scratched minutes before their game against Northern Iowa. He was dealing with an illness not related to COVID-19. If he does wind up going in this game for Vermont, you've got to figure that he's probably going to be dealing with a couple things and he may not be 100%. And even without him, this is a Vermont team that went on the road to Northern Iowa, a very remote place. Having to go from Vermont over to Iowa, that is not necessarily the world's greatest road trip in the world. It's not one of those things where it's like, oh boy, I'm going to catch a red eye. I'm going to go from Vermont and I'm going to go to Iowa. This sounds like a really good time. That's not what anyone says. And they went in there without their best player, the America East Player of the Year, and they didn't just knock off Northern Iowa, a team that many people thought might be able to contend for an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. They did so by 14 points, holding down Northern Iowa to 47 points. And you've got a Maryland team that they're shooting sub-67% from the free throw line. They're shooting sub-30% from three-point range. They got very much tested by our nation's first president in George Washington a few days ago, winning that game by only seven points. I take a look at Maryland, Kudus Wahab, very solid, giving you 17 points, 10 rebounds. He's going to chip in there a couple blocks. But when it comes to on-ball defending as well, this is a Maryland team that they're not going to be the same as they were last year. Daryl Morcel, I felt like, was one of the best on-ball defenders in all of college basketball. He's out there. He's just not out there for Maryland. He is now at Marquette, who, by the way, that was a little bit of a hairy game that they wound up having at New Hampshire. Hopefully you wound up taking the points with New Hampshire because they wound up getting the cover there. But when it comes to this Maryland team, I think that they're going to be in for a little bit of a rough go of it this year. They were able to get wins over Quinnipiac and George Washington, but at the same time, they were unable to cover either of those games. I think that Vermont is a team that can really be one of those teams that if they make the NCAA tournament as a 13-14 to a 14 seed, you could see them as being a chic little upset pick there. So I take a look at this spot. Catching 11 with Vermont is something that I advise. And with my New York Post play today, I want to take the total. I want to take the total more around at 125 and a half, 126 ish is somewhere in that range. Might vary a little bit based on Ryan Davidson's status, but I tell you right now, it's not going to vary by nine points. So we're taking a look at the under. You're going to see that right up in the New York Post in the AM. And then we were going to be getting you set for this game. And then on the other side, we're going to be finishing that up and then taking a look at some player odds as well as we've got USC and they're going to be going on the road to face off against the Temple Owls. Whenever we get a team name the Owls, we have to give our ode to Lane Kiffin. Go Owls. They are anywhere between a six and a half to a seven point underdog. The Owls are. And we're going to get you guys caught up on that side in total. On the other side, also taking a look at just a little bit in general when it comes to player props as well. That's coming up next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
announcing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN midseason football special is here for just $99. You get everything VSIN has to offer from now until the end of the NFL playoffs. Daily best bet emails, 24 7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in depth data and analysis on vsin.com and the release this week college hoops betting guide. This is a great deal. Just 99 buckaroos for the rest of the season. So sign up now. Vsin.com slash subscribe as you're back here on the Greg Peterson experience coming at you from lovely Circa, the wonders wonderful sports book and casino out here in Las Vegas and we're talking some college basketball right now going to be transitioning a little bit more to the professional gentleman that wind up hitting the hardwood as well towards back half of the segment but we left off talking about this USC versus Temple game you've got USC in a very rare road game laying anywhere between six and a half and seven points your total on this game anywhere between a 136 to a 137 this is one in which I did wind up making USC a six and a half point favorite. So this is one in which I'm going to be taking the approach of just waiting to see what happens overnight because you are going to notice in college basketball when it comes to just steam moves in general across all sports, the biggest ones that you wind up seeing typically are in college basketball during the early part of the season. It's very, very rare that you're going to see a number open at three and even close within a half a point of that. Like this is a case in which it opens at six and a half. It's... More often than not, that you're going to see a full point move one way or the other because there's a lot of disagreement. You've got a lot of people looking at different metrics, whether that be Bartorvik, whether that be Kempom, what have you, and bookmakers they themselves do. I mean, how many times are you going to be looking at a college basketball line and it's going to be like, oh, Kempom wanted making this Team X to knock off Team Y by six points. The spread lines are coming out six. The projected total was 138. It said at 138 and a half. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that I always get a chuckle at. You can tell that sometimes folks out there, they just wind up copying and pasting the Kempom numbers, especially on the extra games. If you've been paying attention to some of these teams, you're able to find a lot of value. But I do think that the real value when it comes to this game, because I'm going to be basing my spread play a little bit more based on what we wind up seeing overnight, leaning a little bit more to taking a seven with Temple at this point. But we're going to wait and see a little bit more when it comes to that. But I'm taking a look at an under in this game because with Temple, this is a team that under Aaron McKee, yes, same Aaron McKee that wanted playing in the NBA for another Philadelphia team back in the day. They have been able to do a very good job of playing some solid defense. Now, when you take a look at the backcourt, someone like a Damian Dunn is able to give you quite a few buckets for Temple, but their three-point shooting is something that I think is going to be a little bit of a question mark. And for USC, Boogie Ellis comes in from Memphis. I think that he's going to be able to do a relatively solid job for the team, and he showed that in the first game of the season. He was able to put in there 20 points, so he was able to look very solid there. And you've got Mobley out there. No, not Evan Mobley. Mobley, Evan Mobley is currently with the Cleveland Cavaliers, but his brother Isaiah winds up returning to the fold, and he's got a little bit of versatility. He's able to shoot some threes. He'll give you like a block per game. He's got good size, six foot eleven, seven feet tall. So he's able to do a whole lot of that for you. But when it comes to USC, I do have some question marks when it comes to the backcourt as well. Ethan Anderson, I think, is going to be able to do a good job of being able to throw out the ball. And they just completely dump trucked CSUN in their first game of the season. Cal State Northridge just absolutely no match for them. 
You may know that with CSUN, they're dealing with an interim coach situation because Mark Godfrey wound up getting put on suspension because he's Mark Godfrey. So congratulations. You knew exactly what you were going to get there, CSUN. But it's just a case in which I do lean a little bit more towards the points. But I think that both of these teams are going to be able to be locked down defensive teams. You may recall USC now. Obviously, it's with Evan Mobley in the fold. But they were in the top five in all of college basketball when it came to overall field goal shooting percentage and two-point field goal shooting percentage. So I think that you're going to have a little bit of a low-scoring slot knocker here, taking a look at the under. Like I said, I want up saying my line at 6.5, so leaning a little bit more towards the Temple at 7, but I want to see where this winds up coming out in the AM because I do think that we're going to see a line move one way or the other to really take a look at my action there, and when it comes to action in general, we've got to transition a little bit over to the NBA as we've got some very fun props out there. When it comes to the NBA, you always wind up getting just things like odds to be able to win the MVP and what have you, but you've also got odds to be the top scoring player in the NBA as well, which I always love because sometimes you wind up having a guy that winds up putting up some Mondo numbers when it comes to the NBA and they get poo-pooed a little bit. I always notice it when it comes to the NBA in general. So I do always love to give a little bit of credit where credit is due when it comes to just guys that are able to pump it in there in general. And right now at DraftKings, you do have a little bit of a prop for for the top scoring player in all the NBA this season. And I think that it's a little bit of an intriguing one. This is one in which you are seeing a little bit of movement on it, but this is just points per game. I'm sure that there is a little bit of a moniker in which you've got to play a certain amount of games to be able to be qualified for this one. But as of right now, you're seeing Steph Curry. He is at plus 300, three to one. Kevin Durant, plus 350. And these are odds coming into tonight as this has actually moved a little bit. Now you're actually seeing Kevin Durant at plus 250. Stephen Curry at plus 275. Giannis Kupo has remained steady at plus 750. Luka Doncic steady at plus $9. You've got a 12 to 1 on Jason Tatum. Paul George at 12 to 1. And then Jonathan Spider Mitchell, 15 to 1. Bradley Beal, he's out clocking in at 16 to 1. So you've got a lot of guys on here. And if you're looking for someone a little bit further down the board, I would say that Jason Tatum has a little bit of an opportunity to be able to provide you a tad bit of value just because if you remember towards back half last year with the Boston Celtics. Now, obviously, you wind up seeing a coaching change in the offseason, but as we know, Brad Stevens, he saw his imprint on this Boston Celtics team. He was just doing absolutely everything. A little bit of this was out of necessity because the Celtics were as banged up as banged up gets, but Jason Tatum was pumping in there like 30-plus points per game. He was trying to single-handedly will this team to victory on a night-in and night-out basis. Wound up putting up 27, by the way, Friday night against the Milwaukee Bucks. So nothing that's necessarily going to shoot him up the board. Certainly nothing that is going to have him going down. But he's right now been able to give the team 23.5 points per game. But he's really been able to heat up recently. At least 22 points in each out of the team's last four games. He wound up having a little bit of a rough start to begin the year. He wound up having a little bit of a rough road trip when the team wound up going out to the state of Florida, but he's been really been able to pick it up recently. I think that there's a good chance that he winds up getting featured because when it comes to the Celtics team in general, I think that Al Horford is going to be a nice ancillary piece for the team. I think that he's going to be able to do a good job of being able to feature him a little bit more. I have been very surprised, by the way, at what we've been able to see recently out of Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, as we remember, he wound up beginning his career just a terrible three-point shooter. He's been a little bit better in recent years. Still like a career 31% three-point shooter, not necessarily a guy that you want taking the shot late. You know that those are always going to be going to Jason Tatum. Now, no question, Kevin Durant, he should, 
in all likelihood, in my opinion, he and Steph Curry should be the top two. I mean, there's no debate about it. We saw Steph Curry, what he was able to do towards the back half last year. He has been absolutely amazing this year, but you've got to question if additions are going to wind up hurting these guys a little bit because once Clay Thompson winds up coming back in the fold, Steph Curry is still going to be getting some very good run, no question about it, but you've got to feel like that might wind up dropping his averages a little bit, and then there's just that big question mark of Kyrie Irving. We just have no idea what's going to be going on with it because it's an unprecedented situation. I mean, if Kyrie Irving doesn't return for the rest of the year, yeah, Kevin Durant should be able to have a big year, but also health as well because with Kevin Durant, we know this. He's had a very tough time staying healthy. It's just very unfortunate that you wind up having to bring it up, but it is something that has to be brought up. Giannis Antetokounmpo, as we know, he's going to be able to get his as well. But the big knock on Giannis is that he does a little bit of everything except for really three-point shooting, which when you're taking a look at just raw points per game, that is something that you've got to be factoring into it because Giannis is a little bit of a triple-double machine, someone that at seven feet tall, he's able to just do a good job of being able to run the offense in general, but his outside shooting leaves a little bit of something to be desired. As we all remember, there was the whole free throw things that wound up coming up in the postseason as well. So that is something that you do have a little bit of a question mark with. And then with Luka Doncic, it's just a case in which he does a little bit of everything as well. But when it comes to the Mavericks in general, I just don't know how they're going to wind up faring for the entirety of the season because Luka... His big knock is that he winds up having quite a few turnovers. Turnovers have always been a little bit of a kryptonite to him. And then sometimes those turnovers can cause you to just be a little bit distraught in general. It does feel like Luka could be a guy that winds up getting quite a few garbage time points as well. But what factors into a lot of this as well is that you wind up seeing a lot of these teams in general. They wind up being up by like three points with a minute left to go and I don't know if the Mavericks are going to be finding themselves in too many of those situations in which you do have Luka wind up going to the foul line, being able to get those late points very late in a game. Obviously, the fouling situation always going to be a little bit different in the NBA than it would be in, say, college basketball. But I do think that that's a little bit of a factor as well. And then Damian Lillard, he has really fallen down this list, by the way. 40-1 to certainly has not necessarily been a great year for him. He would be a little bit of a dark horse that I'd be looking at, but I don't know if a player like Damian Lillard who has already gotten himself to do us into a big hole. Now, obviously it's a very early hole that he's gotten himself in, but I don't know if he's going to be able to claw himself out of it. And by the way, if you're looking at top players with regards to points per game in all of the NBA as of right now, Kevin Durant leads that list 29 and a half points per game. Steph Curry, 27.4. Paul George at 26.7. So it makes that very intriguing. What else is very intriguing? The gridiron. Coming up next, we've got to talk a little NFL. We're going to be taking a look at the odds to be able to win the MVP in the NFL next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. tracker available at vsin.com for you to keep up with all the NFL player props. Head over to vsin.com to get current odds as well as movement from each week to be able to follow the trends and find the best value. Track for odds to be able to win the MVP, coach of the year, rookie of the year, and so much more. Check track the props, key betting splits, key trends, matchup data for every game, and you can all do that right now at vsin.com 
prop.com slash NFL. As it is a Greg Peterson experience, and if you're looking for a prop, this one should come as no sort of a shock. My wonderful producer, Wyatt, and everyone back there, they're doing terrific work. Nick does a terrific job night in and night out of helping me out. Taylor does a great job on audio. Oliver is just the utility man. He does a little bit of everything. So all four of you guys, shout out to you. Without them, you would not be seeing my face on your TV and my voice on your radio. I very nearly said face on TV and voice on radio. So we caught ourselves there. But with that said, Wyatt was asking how many McRibs I have eaten since they wound up coming out. If the prop tracker you were tracking had me at zero, you are correct. And that was like minus 10,000 for those of you guys that know me. But with that said, something else that we've got to be tracking because we are talking about the prop, prop tracker is that you're able to track odds to be able to win MVP in the NFL. And I think that it's going to be a really interesting race. I did think that Patrick Mahomes was going to be able to claw his way back into it. And who knows, maybe he's able to by throwing for like 35 touchdowns and no interceptions the rest of the year. But it looks like he's as good as toast in this one. But you take a look at the odds currently available at DraftKings. And right now you've got Tom Brady as a favorite, but it is a very tight race. As you got Josh Allen at 4-1, to Kyler Murray, he is clocking in. He is 6-1. You've got Matthew Stafford at 8-1. And then you've got a bunch of 12-16-1. to Aaron Rodgers, Jack Prescott, they're both 12-1. And Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert are at 16-1. Lamar Jackson, no doubt, wound up getting dinged by what we wound up seeing on Thursday night with the not-so-great performance against the Miami Dolphins. But I still think that if you're looking for just value and value alone, 16-1 is actually relatively decent on Lamar Jackson. I wouldn't have knocked him. That far, I would have them a little bit more in that barrel of 12 to 1, maybe even 10 to 1. I might have them a little bit ahead of someone like a Dak Prescott and an Aaron Rodgers just because both of these guys have on up missing already a game this season. For better or for worse, it is something that you got to take note of. And for Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if there's a lot of value at 12 to 1 because keep in mind, who votes on these is the writers. The writers sometimes, well, they wind up just having their personal opinion wind up coming into play rather than the actual play on the field. You've got to question whether or not everything that's wound up happening the last few weeks with Aaron Rodgers saying that he was immunized and everything like that, if that winds up playing a factor, because it's not one of those things in which it influences the stats. It's not like all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers is throwing for more or fewer yards, but you have to take into account just what these writers are thinking in general, and sometimes it's a good place, sometimes it's not such a good place, and you've got to feel like, as unfortunate as it is, it winds up playing a little bit of a factor in it. And it's not one of those things where it's your personal opinion on it. It's the opinion of the writers, which is what really stinks about that aspect of it. But with that said, when you take a look at odds to be able to win the MVP, because I wouldn't be looking at Aaron Rodgers really either way, whether it would be a case of that or not. But the big thing that I'm taking a look at is some of the top guys. And I feel like Kyler Murray still has a very good shot and that would be if the Arizona Cardinals wind up being able to do the job and they're able to win the division. I do think that whoever wins the division between the Cardinals and the Rams, so you're taking a look at Murray at 6-1, and you're taking a look at Matthew Stafford at 8-1. Both of these guys have a relatively good shot, and I do think that as as I talk about Kyler Murray at 6-1, you still got good value at Matthew Stafford at 8-1 because we wound up seeing it happen a little bit over 24 hours ago. That guy by the name of Odell Beckham Jr., he is out coming over to the LA Rams. That is going to be able to help them out even further with regards to that pass game. And guess what? 
they've got a primetime opportunity for Matthew Stafford to be able to shine on Monday Night Football. No question, Matthew Stafford did not wind up looking the world's greatest in that game against the Tennessee Titans. The touchdown, that, or the pick six touchdown, they wound up throwing towards the end zone of his own. That was not necessarily something that you want to see, but still has been able to put together a very nice season. I just still go back to it, though. You take a look at what is provided around Matthew Stafford versus what's provided around some of these other guys. And I do think that Matthew Stafford, when it comes to complement of weapons, is towards the top of this list. No doubt you wind up having Kyler Murray went healthy towards the top of the list. I do think that for a little bit of an addition by subtraction as well, or subtraction by addition as well, the fact that Kyler Murray wound up not playing last week and the team did play so well against the San Francisco 49ers, that could be something that writers wind up holding against him as well because you're able to sit there and say, oh, Kyler Murray did this, but Kyler Murray did that. That's very nice. But there you have Colt McCoy also being able to win a game against a divisional foe on the road as well. So I do think that that could wind up coming back in the end to nip him in the butt. Now, when you take a look at Tom Brady, no question, he's on a terrific team with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he has been absolutely amazing for this team this year. I mean, he's up to all right, 2,650 passing yards. He has been able to give you 25 touchdowns, has been able to do a good job of being efficient, but when it comes to all these guys, it feels like everyone towards the top of this list are coming off of relatively bad games. You had Josh Allen wind up getting picked off by Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars last week. You wound up having Tom Brady in his last game, wind up losing to the Saints. You had Kyler Murray out. You wound up having Aaron Rodgers out. So it really becomes a little bit of a hodgepodge at this point. And what I think is so important when it comes to odds to be able to win the MVP, don't necessarily be so influenced by what you wound up seeing the previous week. Try to take everything into account. And this is something with so many different things, whether it be game-by-game betting, when it comes to the NFL, college football, college basketball, list goes on and on. Don't think that because a guy wound up having one really, really good or one really, really bad game that just completely tarnishes the entire season or completely boosts up the entire season. Now, when it comes to things like we always talk about it with the Heisman Trophy, for instance, those Heisman moments, you do want to be taking a look at that. Maybe if Kyler Murray winds up having a Hail Mary like he wound up having last year, maybe you wind up bolstering them up a little bit because that is going to be sending into the mindset of the writers, but I just still take a look at it, and despite the fact that everything wound up going wrong for the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday Night Football, I just still think that there's the most value there in general, just because you are now getting Lamar Jackson at 16-1. to Obviously, when it comes to anyone further down the list, it does really become a little bit of a horse apiece situation to be able to get through that, and with Jackson out of the guys that are on this list, he does have the most interceptions. He does have eight interceptions, so that is a little bit of a knock, but he also is, in my opinion, the guy that is going to wind up in the end being able to have the most rushing yards. He's able to do the most when it comes to being able to create. He does have the fewest passing touchdowns, but when you take a look at guys that wind up having to do a little bit more with less, when you have to think about that, I would say number one at the top of the list is Lamar Jackson as well because that is something that I do feel like plays a little bit of a factor when it comes to this as well because you're able to take a look and you're able to say, well, this guy had a nice year, but how much of it was the fact that, for instance, Kyler Murray, he was able to throw to DeAndre Hopkins. He was able to throw to Christian Kirk. How much of it is going to be for Matthew Safford now? He was able to pick up Odell Beckham Jr. in the middle of the season, and he's got literally every good wide receiver on the face of planet Earth when it comes to his receiving core. I think that that is something that you've always got to be taking a look at as well. 
And in general, you want to be able to pick out winning teams. And as of right now, Ravens are number one when it comes to the AFC North. As we know, when it comes to Murray and Safford, that's going to be sorting itself out. When it comes to the end of the season, Josh Allen, well, if the Bills do not wind up winning the AFC East, that would just be an absolute travesty. I mean, you've got teams like the Jets that are out there. I will say Patriots looking a little bit better. You've got to give kudos to the way that Bill Belichick has been able to get his team firing all cylinders towards the most recent few games. So that has been something that's been very solid. You got to figure that the Packers are going to be able to wrap up that NFC North that Prescott is going to be able to lead the Cowboys to a divisional crown as well. But I do think that that is something that you've got to be taking a look at as well, because I do think that that's going to be a little bit of a determining factor. And when it comes to just taking a look at these voted on odds, whether it be in this case, odds to be able to win NFL MVP. When you take a look at Cy Young in baseball, when that winds rolling around, you've got to be factoring in there just so many of these things. And sometimes you could wind up having a player get hurt slash help by the fact that he winds up having a lot slash a little bit of help as well. So there's just so many things that wind up going into it. I do think that this week is going to be playing quite a bit of a factor, but you are going to be noticing that a lot of these guys that are involved in these odds, obviously you have Lamar Jackson who wound up outright playing, but you don't necessarily have a lot of teams with a big time primetime opportunity. You've got the Packers playing also the Seahawks, which they've obviously been down in the dumps. Looks like they're getting back Russell Wilson, but, and then you've got the Rams that are going to be on Monday night football. That's something that you always want to be taking a look at as well, because if you really like someone prior to them going into one of these primetime spots, you want to probably be able to gobble them up because the more eyeballs that are on a game, the more that they're probably going to get steamed if they wind up having a big game in this spot. And we're going to be hoping to have lots of big games on this college football Saturday because coming up next, all the Continental 48 states are going to be on a Saturday. So we're going to be looking at for the final hour in depth this college football slate for Saturday right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. 